And this morning we have a wonderful speaker. He was actually my college speaker. I've mentioned this before, and we've we've had him here a few times at Westside, so so we know him pretty well. Um, this is a man who I watched the Super Bowl with, and I've seen him jump up in the air in just complete happiness, both feet off the ground. Um, and I just I, I love this man a lot. Um, today we have Tyler Nice here speaking with us. Thanks, man. Yes. <laughs> Good morning. Oh, you guys want me to jump right now? Woo! That was a very, like, you know, like cheerleader jump. I was never a cheerleader, but they always wanted me to try out. Just kidding. That's not true. Um, good morning, Westside. How's it going? Oh, my gosh. You guys are awesome. Thank you for letting me come back. I was here a couple months ago and just love this church and so many of you I've gotten to know over the years. And, um, yeah, so thanks for inviting me to come back. Um, does anybody scuba dive in, the, in here? Has anybody scuba dived? Dove? Scuba dove? You scuba? You scuba? You scuba? Oh, raise your hand if you are, are scuba diver. Have you, have you dove? Just, just me and you. Okay. Oh, you, you too. And did you guys get certified to do that? You too? Nice. So you got certified. Did you do Eugene Skin Divers? Okay. So a couple years ago, I got scuba certified because I went to, um, I went to uh, Hawaii and I snorkeled. And my lung capacity was embarrassing. <laughs> I would like dive down with my snorkel and see some cool stuff, and then I'd be like out of air, and I'd have to come back up. And so I was like, if I ever go back, I'm gonna get certified so that I can go down there and then stay down there and like look at cool stuff. And so uh, we went back a couple years ago, and so I was like, I'm getting certified. So in August, uh, two years ago in August, I completed the course, and to complete the course, you have to do four open water dives, and they go to Wohanique Lake over on the coast. Do you, what is it? Wohink, yeah, Wohink, sorry. Wohink, like, so, so, you know, you do all of the different things. Like, you got to, like, take your goggles off underwater and then put them back on and fill it up with air. You got to, like, take your regulator and, like, throw it away and not die, okay? <laughs> I, I, I survived. You have to, like, re get your regulator back and be able to... Well, be able to breathe. And so there's all these like different tests and, and um, these are called open water tests. And then the last test you do, actually I think two of the days, you have to actually go into the ocean, the Oregon ocean at the jetty in Florence. Okay, so, um, so the day that we went, the weekend we went, it was like super low visibility, except for uh, the second day, it was still pretty low. So it was like two feet of visibility. Like if you put your hand out, you couldn't see your hand. That's how bad it was. And so um, we still went in the jetty that day because we, they wanted to get at least one dive in the actual ocean, not a lake. And so the way they do it, they pair you and one other person who's getting certified with a master diver, and then they go out. Okay, so I began to get a little concerned because the person that I was paired with, the other person getting certified, um, he, he kind of struggled a little bit. Um, putting his suit on, and, uh, and then with some of the tests that he had, he had been doing. And so I was a little bit nervous because it was just him and I. But I was feeling pretty competent, and, right? And so, so we got in the water. It was freezing cold. You're wearing a wetsuit. Um, but we got in the water, and we got down there, and it was like very little visibility. It was me and this other guy and uh, our instructor. Okay, and so we, like, we took all the air out of our, our vests, and we sunk down. And we got down to about 30 feet got down to 40 feet, we're doing some of the tests, like taking our masks off and putting them back on, finding the regulator to check off our certification stuff. And about five minutes into the dive, 
the instructor grabbed my arm, shook it violently, gave me his flashlight, and swam away. <laughs> and I was like, blah, 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 you know, like <laughs> 50 feet down, and it was like five, just like five minutes into the, into the dive. And so I, I kind of had like a moment of panic, you know, you're pretty deep. And the other thing they said is whatever you do, do not surface because the jetty has boats going through, you know, like you do not want to be like air, you know, boom, you know, like over here. And, and so, and so I, I, I like, I remember, I remember thinking, you're not going to die. It's fine. Just calm yourself down. So I calmed down for a moment. And they also had given us an emergency plan on what to do. So if, if all else fails, you use your watch, which has a compass, and you swim north, and you'll hit the north side of the jetty. You'll follow the, the, the ground up, and you'll surface on the shoreline, and then you can swim back and meet up with everybody. So um, I took a deep breath, and I did what they had told me to do, and I surfaced, and I got up, and they saw me and waved at them, and then I started swimming back, and I, and I survived. But when you're down there, you know, you sort of feel like, well, I discovered that my, my partner had had something, he had gotten caught by a current and drifted away, and so the dive master went after him and thought that I would somehow survive, so I guess I'm just like, chopped, <laughs> like thank you very much for abandoning me, but, he, but I think he thought I'd be okay, which I was. Um, so, but what, you know, for a moment when I was panicking down at like 50 feet underneath the water, thinking that I might be in big trouble... Um, I don't know, that feeling was like really scary and you felt sort of like all alone and like you're overwhelmed and it's kind of dangerous and you don't exactly, you know, you, you hope you're going to get out, but you're not exactly sure that you're going to get out. Um, and uh, that, that story, I was thinking of that story this week as I was studying for our message this morning because um, the people in the Bible find themselves in this similar situation all the time. There's people who are stuck in scary places, and they don't know what, um, what is coming, and they don't know what exactly um, is, is next. I've been really interested in scripted prayers lately, you know? Like, one of the things that we, when I was growing up, uh, when I became a Christian in high school, um, no one ever really, like, taught me how to pray, you know? Like, no one was like, hey, here's how I pray. Jesus does have this one thing in the Sermon on the Mount where he's like, I'm going to teach you how to pray. But prayer is like a difficult thing. I appreciate what you shared, reading the scriptures out. So I've been like really appreciating people's scripted prayers. I have a book of prayers written by some, uh, an author that I really like that I read through. Psalms is a book of prayer, right? Psalms is a book of worship songs or prayer. Um, and so I, I really appreciate the Psalms and I love that you guys are reading a, a series through the Psalms. In fact, if you have your psalm, book, you can open up your Bible to Psalm chapter 23, or Psalm 23, excuse me. Um, one of my favorite authors named Walter Brueggemann, he says that the Psalms are special because, here's a quote, they permit the articulation of profound emotional extremity. They permit the articulation of profound emotional extremity. And each time we utilize a Psalm, we participate in a long, reoccurring artistic gesture whereby our particular speech is joined with and reiterates the cadences of community that has long been speaking its most intense emotional extremity before God in the midst of the congregation. What does that mean? What that means is when we open our Bibles and we read a psalm, what Walter Brueggemann is saying is that our speech, the words that we're saying, 
We are participating in an intergenerational community of believers who have read these words for a long time. Isn't that cool? Like when we read the Psalms, we are reading a prayer alongside people, Christians, who have come before us for generations. And not just that, but how many of you also recognize that there are future Christians that will read these Psalms, and we are reading these Psalms together in that community. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I love that, man. I love that. So, so you guys are reading Psalm, uh, Psalm 23 and then thinking about each line. Let's read that together if we can project Psalm 23. Here's, here's what Psalm 23 says. It's one of the most famous Psalms in the whole, uh, in the whole book of Psalms. And a lot of times it's read at uh, funerals, but uh, this is a beautiful Psalm. I think it might be one of the most famous ones. But it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's all say amen together. Amen. Well, what Brooks shared with me was that you guys have been reading through this psalm and then picking out one verse as kind of a focal point. Is that correct? Yeah? Okay, so here's the focal point for today. Brooks was going to be gone, and he said, what can I make Tyler talk about? And he said... We're going to make him talk about the valley of the shadow of death. So thank you, Brooks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Now let's look at verse 4 of this a little closer. It says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is a beautiful, this is a beautiful verse. And um, so I want to read another psalm, if that's okay, because when I was thinking about and considering this, this verse... Um, another psalm actually came to mind, Psalm 46. And so I want to read that one if I can. And then I want to make a few comments about this. So Psalm 46 says this, really similar to Psalm 91, which was just read, which I think is so cool how that works. But um, Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. All right. There's a sign 
up on my, at my gym where I work out regularly. And there's like inspirational signs everywhere. He needs like a hang in there kitty kind of sign, I think. <laughs> like, but it's kind of got a cool. And this is what one of the signs says I always like catch my eye. It says, if you're going through hell, don't slow down. <laughs> and if you've ever done a burpee before, then you know that that's an appropriate sign. Um, I love that because uh, it, it reminds me that, you know, Working out is difficult and challenges. Getting stuck underwater is difficult and challenging. And man, there's so many other things that get difficult and challenging. I was crying during worship this morning because this, the last song we sing, it is well, it is well, right, that song? Um, I listened to that song about 25 times on the day that my best friend died. And every time I hear that song, every time I think about Isaac, I love that guy. He's such a great guy. Look, we're going to go through challenging times. And don't you appreciate that the Bible doesn't mess around and pretend like we weren't? I mean, don't you appreciate that about the scriptures? One of the things I love the most about the Bible is that it doesn't lie to us about the fact that we are going to go through some challenging times. We are going to go through challenging times. Look at, look at the challenges in this Psalm 46. We're going to go through trouble. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present in trouble. It talks about the earth giving way, mountains falling, water roar and foam, mountains are quaking, nations are in uproar, war and strife, bows and spears, kingdoms fall. This is a freaky psalm, right? It's talking about our personal challenges. It's talking about us walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, we walk through the valley of the shadow of the earth. I love that the Bible does not pretend like life is easy. If it did, we'd throw it away. Because what use would it be? But what it does is it tells us the truth that, man, there are some difficult times that we go through. And it's real. You know, I appreciate that it doesn't make up stuff. Think about all the people in the Bible. I'm just going to name a few. Abraham and Sarah, they wanted to have kids. Do you remember how they wanted to have kids for so long and they couldn't have a baby? Moses, Moses lived during a flood, natural disasters, strike. Joseph, Joseph's brothers threw him in a pit and sold him to slave, to slave traders. Then he got arrested and accused of something and stuck in a prison to rot and die for something that he did not do. David is getting chased around by a king who wants to murder him because he was righteous Job, Job actively disobeys the Lord and gets eaten by a fish. Jonah. Excuse me, Jonah. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Let's talk about Job, though, since I brought him up. Thank you. Jesus, this guy's unqualified. Okay. Who, who gave this guy a microphone? Excuse me, Jonah. Job, Job's house fell on his family, right? His, his whole family, the house fell on it. Why? Because of some cosmic bet between God and Satan? Have you read the opening of Job? If you read the opening of Job, that's some of the most terrifying chapters in the whole, in the whole Bible. God and Satan have this cosmic bet, like, I bet Job's going to leave you. And God's like, he'd never do that. And Satan's like, let me play some tricks on him and murder his whole family. And God's like, okay. That's the opening of Job. It's terrifying. Okay. But, but you have all these people who, what about Jesus? Do you remember Jesus in Gethsemane? Do you remember Jesus in Gethsemane? What does he pray? God, please don't make me go to the cross. Do you remember that? 
And through all of that stuff, God is with his people. Through all of the troubles, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But it's remarkable. It's remarkable here that the Bible highlights the fact that we go through troubles. Now let's apply this to our own lives. Are you like me when something bad happens in your life? Do you immediately begin to question where God is? Do you immediately begin to question if you deserve, if you did something to deserve it? Did I, de- did I deserve this bad thing that happened to me? Did the trouble, did I bring this trouble onto myself somehow? I think that's supernatural because, or I think it's natural for us, actually not supernatural, but natural for us because um, almost every other part of our life is sort of like a, a take an action and there's an actual reaction. That's a natural thing that happens, right? Where we, we take action and then there's a result of that action for whatever reason. But, um, but what the Bible says to us is, is that trouble is just a part of our lives. To think that we will have a life of no trouble is not only delusional, it's anti-biblical, actually. The Bible doesn't support that view at all. But how many of us get a flat tire on our way to work and we think God has abandoned us? Or worse, right? Like, where are you, God? But that's not biblical. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that even people who love the Lord will encounter challenges and difficult things. So what are we to do then in those times of trouble? Well, one thing is to have a right understanding of the character of God. Well, what does this Psalm 46 say about God? Well, it says that God is our refuge. It says that God is our strength. God is our source of strength, not our looks, all of you good-looking people out there, not our youth or our intelligence or our money or our socioeconomic status or how cool we are. Our source of strength is God. Our source of strength is the Lord. And it says that God is ever-present. This is the character of God. Amen? Amen. So therefore, if God's character is refuge, if God's character is a protection, if God's character is our source of strength, and if God is always with us in the pit that our brothers threw us into, right, in the prison cell that we're in, in the belly of the fish, if God is always with us, therefore, this psalm tells us that we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to fear because God is with us. He is our protector. He is ever-present. He is our our source of strength. And that is our encouragement. I love this line in Psalm 46. It says, be still and know that I am God. In the midst of geological crisis, like mountains are crumbling into oceans, in geopolitical crisis where nations are, t- are crumbling and war is happening and, there's, and kingdoms are falling, in the midst of our personal, interpersonal troubles that we may have, it says, be still and know that I am God. The Bible recognizes challenges and is scattered with different advice all over the place. The Bible is constantly talking about the challenges that we come through. There's this section in Matthew. I spent a lot of time in Matthew this this summer. There's a section in Matthew. Do you remember when Jesus is telling the people, don't worry? He's telling a bunch of poor people, people who worry about where lunch is coming from. Do you remember he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear? Do you remember those verses? Because look at the sparrows and look at the lilies. If God feeds and clothes them, then he's got you. I love that part because it's, what is the remedy to worry in that section? 
He says, don't be obsessed with what you don't have or you might not have. Do you remember that's where he says that famous line, seek first the kingdom of heaven. He, he says, don't do a negative action of worry, but do a positive action and all these other things are going to fall into place. Right? Don't worry, but seek God with your whole heart. Some of us are obsessed with worry. And what Jesus says in that section is, the solution to worry and strife and trouble is to seek, actively seek after God. Like show up and, and serve your city. Seek God's peace, right? Seek God and those things will fall into place. There's another place. Let me read another one to you guys if that's okay. Do you guys like the Bible? Is that all right if I read the Bible? You guys are okay with that? Okay, cool, good. I was hoping you'd say yes because I want to read this anyway. So Philippians 4, we can put, we can put it up here. Here's another place where the Bible talks about people who are in trouble. And what he says is, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Does that sound like Psalm 46? The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. What's the remedy to worry in Philippians 4? It looks to me like he's saying rejoice. Have joy. Have joy and, and pray. Like have joy and pray. So in one sense, you know, when we have times of trouble and worry, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. And here in Philippians, it says for us to rejoice and to, and to prayerfully petition the Lord. These, so all over the Bible, we're getting advice about what we are to do when we are going through times of trouble. There's a bunch of different places too. What is, let's go back to Psalm 46. So what does Psalm 46 tell us? It tells us to do two things in our time of trouble. It tells us, number one, be still. Be still. It does not deny that there is much to worry about, but it asks you to be still when you're 50 feet underwater and your scuba instructor abandons you. Take a deep breath off your regulator, be still, <laughs> and swim north. Okay, you know? Like this, this psalm says, be still. Yes, there is, there is things to be concerned about. There are troubles and mountains are crumbling and, war, and waters are raging, okay? And nations are falling and there's war and there's difficult times. But in the midst of all this, it says to be still and, and know that I am God. Have a right understanding of who God is. I think that's so significant. In times of trouble, have a right understanding of who God is. Know who God is. I have so many friends who have gone through difficult times. And sometimes they'll say things about God that are not true. At least, at least from what I think the Bible says about God. They will say things about God. Have you ever thought thoughts about God that you even, maybe you know are not true in the moment, but you're just like so ticked off or hurt or, 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 or wounded or, you know, in a dark place, and you're like, I, all, I just know, I know this isn't true, but I just feel like this is, what the psalm says in times of trouble, know rightly who God is and that we can be helped through these things. Um, Know rightly who, who the Lord is. Be still and know that I am God. Here is the advice in the midst of troubles. Be still and know that I am God. That's what Psalm 46 says, I think. And then finally, there's this one little thing. Any grammar people? Are there, is there any English teachers in here? No? Lit teachers? Okay, neither am I. But um, I just noticed this. Do you notice 
Do you notice that Psalm 46, like a lot of Psalms do this actually, Psalm 46 there's like a, is like grammatically inconsistent. So when you read it, God is our refuge and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Um, there's a river who make glad the cities of God where the Most High dwells. God is within her. God will help her at daybreak. Um, the Lord Almighty is with us. Come and see the works of the Lord. He makes wars. He breaks the bow and shatters. He burns. But look at what happens in verse 10. In verse 10, all of a sudden, the grammar shifts. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among all the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Verse 11 goes back. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob and his fortress. Why in the heck does the grammar shift for one line of this psalm? I think maybe, well, I don't know. I have no idea, by the way. If you have a thought, come, come tell me. But I have a suspicion. I think that maybe the grammar changes from he, God, the Lord Almighty to I for one line to emphasize that one line. And what does that one line say? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted among the earth. This is telling us how it all ends. God will be glorified. We have a shift in grammar to emphasize the, glor the glorification of the Lord. That despite the troubles, the significant troubles that we face on a personal level, an interpersonal level, and a communal national level, right? Despite the troubles that we face, God wins. God is going to be exalted. God is going to be glorified. God wins in the end. God is going to, to, to be exalted among the nations. Be still and know that I am God. We know how this all ends, you guys. Isn't that exciting? Despite our troubles, we know that God is glorified and that we will be in communion with the Lord for all of eternity. We know how this ends. And yeah, when you stub your toe on your bedpost, it freaking sucks. Can I say that at church? It really stinks, right? But the pain fades. And when we experience loss and troubles, yes, yes, the Bible validates that pain. The Bible says, yes, it stinks. But no, be still and know that I am God and that I will be exalted among all of the nations, that he's gonna be lifted up. That if you read Revelation 20, I think the last time I was here, I read these verses. Read Revelation 21 and 22 for the most beautiful picture of the consummation of God's kingdom. Because this is the end, despite our troubles. Despite our troubles. Your troubles are real. The Bible validates those things. But know, know that the Lord, our God, is wins. He's going to win. He's exalted. And we live with him forever. Forever and amen. I want to close with this, this verse from Psalm 23, which, which inspired this, this message. Um, can we put it up on the screen, actually? So here's, here's what, here's what uh, the, the person who wrote this psalm says. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When we know who God is, when we know his character, uh, we, can, we can endure troubled times. Amen? Amen. Well, I appreciate you guys letting me share today. I'm going to say a prayer and I'll invite the band to come, come back up. But let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your church and your scripture, which guides us to all truth. Um, and we 
Um, I personally, I really appreciate God that your Bible doesn't really pretend like life is easy. I appreciate that your scripture openly uh, acknowledges that life is, life is really hard. It's really difficult. And it's difficult for a wide variety of reasons. Um, and we see people of faith in the scriptures go through incredible challenges in their lives. And through all, through all of it, you're there. You're there with them and you're with them. And Lord, your people can endure great challenges by knowing, by being still and knowing your character, by being still and knowing that you are with us, Lord, and remembering that you're there. Lord, I, I want to pray for anyone here. I, I, I suspect most people here would, could identify a time in their lives where they've gone through a, a real challenging time, moment, for, for any sorts of reasons, loss, hurt, um, wounding, um, broken relationships, broken families, um, job loss, financial challenges, um, maybe difficult diagnoses. Um, Lord, I bet all of us could identify something difficult that we've gone through. And God, I pray that in the midst of the challenge, that we could quiet our hearts. Like Psalm 46 says, be still and just know that you are God. And just know that despite our present troubles and afflictions, you will be exalted on this earth, Lord. And we'll spend eternity with you in communion with all the other saints, exploring the depth and the richness of your great love for us and for your creation. And we thank you for this promise and this vision of a future and we thank you, Lord, that because we know who you are and because we know that you will be exalted, we can live our present life in light of that reality, that coming reality, sanctified and holy through your holy gift and grace to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all of these things.